Thanks. You can be seated. Well, we come to the last Sunday of 2020. We have spent most of this year studying the life of Moses and consequently the children of Israel. My goal was that we were going to end this series and not carry it into 2021. In order to do that, I have to cover four chapters this morning. Now, on my best days, I cover one. So I'm going to work hard today to cover three, and then next week I'm going to cover the fourth chapter. And here's why. I don't want to leave the children of Israel in the desert. And when we last talked about this story, Moses had died, Joshua was in charge, and the children of Israel were still in the desert. And I just don't want to leave them there. So we want to talk about them going into the promised land. As I looked at this passage that we're going to look at this morning, this start is what they did before they, how they prepared themselves to leave the desert. And then the other part of it is how they went into the promised land. And I thought, you know what? That's a nice transition from 2020 to 2021. So this week, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on how did Israel prepare themselves to leave the desert? Because I think that gives us some good practical ways to look at how we end this year of, you could call it a year in the desert, although Israel had been there for 40 years. And the journey ahead of them was going to be very different. And as we go forward, it's a journey in which we don't know what the future holds. Like Israel, we're going into a new, a new path, a new way of doing things, a new type of world and a new type of situation with a lot of changes. And so I thought, you know what, let's just step back. And so we're going to kind of break it up that way. So this morning, what we're going to look at is how you get how you get ready to leave the desert. And then next week, we're going to look at how you go into the promised land. And the idea is, how do we leave this year of 2020? And how do we go forward into 2021? So that's kind of where we're headed. So I need to paint the picture because I think it's important that you understand the picture of Israel at this point and you understand what, how they're thinking. So you need to understand that at this point in the story, we're going to be in the book of Joshua this morning, by the way, but in, in the, this point in the story, here's where we are. Moses has died. Now, these are people who have followed Moses and who have lived off of every word that Moses says. Moses is the one who, who went up against Pharaoh. Moses is the one who delivered them uh, out of Egypt. Moses is the one who has led them, who got the Ten Commandments from God. And Moses is gone now. So now we have a younger leader by the name of Joshua, and Joshua is in charge. And Joshua has pretty big shoes to fill because he's got to, he's got to fill Moses' shoes. I need to know, out of all the Bible characters in the Old Testament, Moses, I would argue that Moses is probably the greatest Old Testament Bible character. Now, Moses and Elijah, it's going to be tied because those are the two that Jesus has with him at the Mount of Transfiguration. So they, they hold some weight. And Moses now has to, or Joshua now has to fill Moses' shoes. The children of Israel, at this point, the oldest one there is 60 years old. Because if you remember, part of the consequence when God drew the line was that everyone 20 20 years of age and younger 
will go into the promised land. Everyone over the age of 20 will die in the wilderness. So what you have now is you have Joshua, who is now going to lead a younger generation into Israel. You also have to remember that out of this group of 60-year-olds at the oldest, only a handful of them were involved with, you know, some of them were probably middle school or teenagers when the plagues happened. So there were so some of them went through the Red Sea as little bitty children. A few went to, some of them went through as teenagers. But for the most part, a lot of them probably didn't click with the stories. So when we talk about the stories of Mara, and we talk about the Ten Commandments, and we talk about all that, at the best, these kids were 15, 16, 17, 18. Most of them were little kids. So it's an interesting group, first of all, that's going to go into that promised land. Um, so they had watched every day as they would get up, they would see a cloud over the, the temple area, over the tabernacle. At night, they could walk out of their tent and they could see a pillar of fire. All that was going to end. Every day that they got up, they had food provided for them. They just had to go out and get it before the sun came up. And that was going to end. Now they're going to have to figure out food on their own. Uh, Their shoes, they wore the same shoes for 40 years. Now, I know, ladies, that would really bother some of you. Um, guys, be honest, you have a favorite pair of shoes too that you don't want to replace. And you would have you the same ones for 40 years. You know, you're like, I don't see a problem with that. Um, so, but now they're going to have to get new shoes. Everything's going to change. Everything's going to be different. And if you're Joshua, in that situation, first of all, you got to deal with yourself personally before you can lead this group that Moses has been leading for 40-plus years. So you understand a little bit of the mindset of where we are. And so Joshua has to, we have to deal with Joshua personally. And then we're going to deal with Joshua as a leader and what Joshua does to get these people ready. And then next week we'll talk about what they actually have to do. So when we get to this passage, we start in Joshua chapter 1, and here's what it says. This is God speaking to Joshua. Here's what he says. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. This is important. So we're going to talk a lot about this today. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. See that idea of be strong and courageous? On three different occasions, God looks at Joshua, who's about to fill the shoes of Moses, and says, Joshua, listen, the one thing I need you to do, you need to be strong, and you need to be courageous. Joshua, you're going to have to be strong and courageous. Joshua, as you get ready to do this, here's the one thing you need to know. You need to be strong and courageous. And it's interesting, because when you read Joshua chapter 1, and Joshua goes to the people, you know what Joshua tells the people? Be strong and courageous. Now, what's interesting is, by the time you get to the end of chapter 1, the people are going back to Joshua. And you know what they tell Joshua? Be strong and courageous. In other words, this theme of be strong and courageous comes up over and over and over again. You almost see it 
come full circle because it becomes a big part of the thinking before you go into the, into the promised land. Is that they have to be strong and they're going to have to be courageous. So he, he talks to, the, he, he, he focuses on this idea. Then notice what God says to him next. Be strong and very courageous. You get the idea? Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may carefully do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And then it goes on. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For your Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. He looks at him now and he says, Joshua, I'm going to give you a key to going forward. And that's going to be, you need to focus on my word and do what I tell you to do. Now, let's remember this. Because when you and I read this about, you know, be strong uh, about following the Lord and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that we think of is we think of, of Joshua as having the whole Bible. At this point, there are five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Basically, he's looking at Joshua. And by the way, it's not in a Bible format. It's in a scroll format. Often they would have it memorized rather than because scrolls were very difficult to keep. They were very expensive to copy. There were very few of them. So all of a sudden, he's looking at Joshua and saying, Joshua, listen, you need to know what I told Moses, and you need to follow it. Now, what's interesting is if you continue on in the book of Joshua, and you go all the way to the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua is challenging the people because he's about ready to die. And as he challenges the people, he explains to them, look, you have a choice to make. You're either going to follow God or you're not going to follow God. I'm telling you to follow God. And Joshua does, some of you have this verse hanging in your house, and Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We have made it our focus to serve God. And we've decided if that's what God says, that's what we're going to do. Doesn't matter if it makes sense. Doesn't matter what culture does. Doesn't matter. But as for us, we're going to serve God. And he challenges the people with that. So it's interesting because this becomes a theme in the life of Joshua for his entire life. There's this idea of taking the word of God and making a big part of his life. So then... So you have Joshua. Personally, he's dealt with this stuff. Personally, he's, he's been challenged to be courageous and strong. You, you see this idea with Joshua and that he's, God says, look, you need to really know what I've said. You need to follow me. You need to develop and, and understand why I tell you to do what I tell you to do and do what I tell you to do. And then Joshua has to figure out now, how do we go into the promised land? How do we, how do we make this transition? What do we do? And Joshua does something very, very interesting. What Joshua does is Joshua takes two people, and he sends them into the land. First of all, he gathers Israel together, and he says, okay, and I want you to spend three days just getting all your affairs in order, because we're leaving the desert. So the people have some time to process this, all of this change, and then, he's, then, then while they're doing that, Joshua takes two spies, and he says, I want you to go check out the land. Now, if you remember, this happened 40 years ago, too. But there were 12 spies, and only two came back with a good report, Joshua and Caleb. And if, so in this story, and God said, there's only two people that are going to go into this promised land. 
Out of all of everybody that came out of Egypt, there are two people who get to go in the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. So now Joshua's in charge of leading them in. Joshua, his thing, is what's interesting. Joshua has been there before. Forty years ago, Joshua spent 40 days in this area checking it all out. And when they came back to give the report, Joshua and Caleb said, yeah, it's everything they've said. There's big giants and there's huge walls and there's all kinds of fruit and there's all kinds of water and everything is awesome and let's go get it. But 10 people said no. And God said, okay, then we're done. You know, um, by the way, why did Israel spend 40 years in the wilderness? It was one day for every year or one year for every day that the spies were in the land. So they were in there for 40 days. Uh, And so they spent 40 years in the wilderness. So Joshua, when it's his turn now as a leader, he goes, I'm going to send two guys. He sends two guys. Um, and these two spies go in, and Joshua says, look, I, you know, again, I've been there. I know what we're up against, but I want to make sure in 40 years, I want to know what's changed. So he sends them out. He said, but I'm really interested in Jericho because that's the first city we're going to come up against. I want you to check out Jericho. Let me know. So if you go to, and again, read this for yourself, okay, Joshua 1, 2, 3, and 4. And so what happens is the two spies, they go into Jericho. They end up, people find out that there's Israelites chucking out the city, and so they want to go look for them. These two guys hide in the apartment of a gal by the name of Rahab. Rahab is a harlot. She's a prostitute. And she said, and the spies come in and they say, tell us. Do you know, you know, tell us, tell us what we should know. And she goes, I know who you guys are. You're Israelites. And you need to know, we know all about you. We know all about your God that delivered you out of Egypt. We know all about your God that delivered you from the Amorite kings and you just slaughtered them. And we are scared to death of you. And we know that you're camped on the other side of the river. And we are petrified. And as the people start to look for him, they realize that they're going door to door and knocking on doors and Rahab hides the two spies. And then when the time is over and the spies are getting ready to leave, Rahab says, will you please spare me and my family? I know your God's going to wipe everything out. Your God's the God of heaven. I I understand all of that. So will you please save us? And they tell them, they say, okay, here's what we want you to do. You gather anybody in your house that you want to bring into your house, into your house, you hang a scarlet thread in in the window or scarlet rope. And we'll go in and we're going to wipe out everybody in this city, but we will not touch anybody in that room. And so that's what they do. So anyway, the spies come down, they get back, they meet with Joshua. Joshua says, okay, so tell me about it. And, and they, they, here's, what they, here, here's what he said. Here's, their, here's the response of the two spies, Joshua chapter 3. The Lord surely has given the whole land into our hand. All the people are melting in fear because of us. He says, Joshua, it's everything God said it was going to be. This baby is ours. We just got to go take it. They are scared to death of us. And so Joshua now realizes that, okay, we're all ready to go. So what Joshua does next is Joshua gets all the people together and he says, here's what's going to happen. He said, the Ark of the Covenant is going to come marching across the camp. And as the Ark of the Covenant with the priest walks by, here's what I want you to do. They were in a place called Shittim. When, when, when you walk, when the Ark of the Covenant walks by, goes by, I want you to just get in line and start following it. 
and they follow it all the way down to the banks of the Jordan River. So now you have all of Israel camped right on the bank of the Jordan. And by the way, when you think Jordan River, I don't know, maybe you're thinking Missouri River. Um, don't, don't think Missouri River. Now this thing's probably like 50, 60 feet wide. At flood, and it's a flood stage, so it's a little wider than that. But it's not like super huge deep, and it's not super huge wide. It's just, what's that, what's that, what's that creek outside of Smithland? Huh? Yeah, Little Sioux. Think that. Okay. Maybe a little wider. Uh, probably a little wider. But anyway, so that's kind of where it is. So they're all camped right there. Now, it's a flood stage, so it's kind of over its banks and everything else. We'll talk about that next week. They're all camped right there. And then here's what Joshua says. Gather the people together. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. He gathers Israel together and he says, okay, I want you to set yourselves apart. And this was a way of saying, okay, I want you to stop and think about what's going to happen because tomorrow everything in your world changes. No more cloud, no more fire, no more manna, no more shoes. It's all going to change tomorrow. And God is going to start to do some incredible things that you will never forget tomorrow. But today... Stop and make sure your heart and your life are ready before God because tomorrow starts a whole new world for us. And they start on this journey. So next week, we're going to talk about how they embark on that journey. But this week, I want to to deal with this idea of the mindset and the preparation and all of that for Israel um, as, as we go into, as we kind of end this year. First thing, one of the things that you have to do as we come to the end of this year, is, is this idea of you've got to decide how centered your life is going to be around the Word of God. Look, God, God designed us. God created us. God wrote a book to tell us how it all works. You ignore that at your own peril. Because, well, it's not culturally relevant. No, you see, the cool thing about the Bible is it's been applicable for all people of all times throughout all of history. They're timeless truths. And when you start understanding those truths and basing your life on those truths, what happens is it alters the way you think about stuff and it alters the way you do stuff. You see, that's the whole goal. The whole goal is not to to have... One of my favorite professors in college was a guy who got saved later in life. He was actually a bomb disposal expert from the military. He was diehard. You know, this is a guy who messed with bombs, okay? And he became a Christian, went back, got his doctorate, and he was a big believer in Scripture memory. And this guy memorized books of the Bible. So I loved it because anytime. You asked him a question. I guarantee you it was a Bible answer. And, and, and again, when you have memorized books of the Bible and you can start quoting them like that, it's just it's amazing to sit underneath somebody with that kind of Scripture knowledge. So, so much of what he had was well thought out because it was based on Scripture, not, not doctrine and domination and all this. It was based on what the Bible says. And he always challenged us. And, and, and here's what he said. Now, here's a guy who had, who had memorized books of the Bible. And you know what? One of the things that I remember him saying 
over and over and over and over again to us as students. God wants soft hearts, not fat heads. I don't care how much of the Bible you know, it's how much of the Bible are you living? How much of the Bible are you applying? How much of the Bible are you actually incorporating into your life? That's what it's about. And that's what God says to Joshua. And Joshua, at the end of his life, realizes that. And he says, look, I, 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 have, memor- I have held on to this thing. I've made my decision. And, and by the way, look at the light. He's, by the way, one of these days we're going to study him as a character, kind of like what we did Moses, because he's one of the few Bible characters that nothing negative is ever said about. And there are very few Bible characters like that, but Joshua is one of them. Because here's a guy who at the very beginning said, I'm going to follow it, I'm going to do what God says. And I want to challenge you. You know, we've talked about this over and over again. If you call yourself a believer, you need to have read the Bible. I mean, how much common sense does it say to say, I believe everything that's in the Bible, if you've never read everything that's in the Bible? So I challenge you to read it. You go, I'm a slow reader. Let me tell you something. You may have been able to say that, 30 years ago, but with technology in 2020, 21, you can't say it anymore, okay? There are so many tools out there, you know, whether it's a chronological Bible, whether it's I'm going to read one chapter every day, whether it's a, uh, I am a big fan of version. it's an app you can put on your, on your phone, you can put it on your computer, you can put it on your tablet, you can put it just about anywhere. And what's great about you version is you can pick whatever. So if you want to be a better husband, there's, a whole, there's Bible studies on there. There's devotionals on there about just how to be a better husband or a better wife or a better parent or how to make financial decisions or how to make business decisions. There, there are so many out there. Find a time, carve out a time that you can learn something from God on your own this year. Make the Bible part of your, go grab one of the, our daily breads out there. Just read one little thing every day. I, what's exciting to me is when I start to watch it, I've watched it this year, as, as people have kind of altered their plans and they've started to read it on their own and they've started to grow and they've started to deepen their faith and it's become more personal. And that is so important. And as you come to this end of this year, I want to challenge you to sit back and go, okay, how important, how centered am I as, as, as far as God's word goes and those kind of things. Secondly, I think you need to sit down and figure out what, what's, what's ahead. What, what, what's your battle plan as you go forward? Um, you know, this is something I told the board last, our last board meeting. I said, you know, one of the things that we're going to do in January, February, and March of this year is I said, we're going to put everything on the table that we do in this ministry. Everything. I said, there are no sacred cows. Now, before you get too nervous, our doctrinal statement at the end of this time is going to be the exact same as it is. I'm not talking about doctrinal stuff. I'm talking about methodology. About why we do what we do, how we do what we do. Um, we're going to put it all on the table. We're going to ask ourselves, do we need to keep doing this? Is there a way to make it better? Is there a way to get, is there a way that, that, is there something that we need to do that we're not doing? We're going to look at everything. Because as we go forward as a church, here's what you need to understand. This whole year has changed everything. It is a very different world that we are going into than what we know. And if you think that everything will go back to normal at some point, here's what I would challenge you with. You need to give up that idea. 
If you think you will ever go to a McDonald's and see a ball pit, in the next 30 years, you are kidding yourself. We have fundamentally changed the way people think about everything like this. Including church. Including church. And there are some good things, and there are some bad things. And so we're going to sit down as a board, we're going to look at stuff, and we're going to say, okay, you know, for instance, again, I I know some of you, I tell some of you get like really nervous. It's like, no, okay. For instance, the way we do communion. Do we ever go back to passing plates and taking stuff out individually or this? There are some real advantages to this thing. Now, I will say I have to carry a knife to church now in order to peel that back every once in a while. But I mean, there's some advantage to this. There's some advantages. There's some disadvantages. Everything's got to be, and what I'm getting at, that's what, that's what Joshua does here. Joshua takes the time and says, you go out, you tell me what we're up against. Let's figure it out before we get there. And he takes some time to plan. He takes some time to get the people. Uh, what I think is fascinating in here is this idea of when Joshua asks about it, one of the things that he says is, these people are scared to death of you. These, these people are living in fear. Now, stop and ask yourself, when did these stories that they're talking about, that Rahab talks about, happen? Egypt was 40 years ago. The Amorite kings was 39 years before this event. For 39 to 40 years, these people have lived in fear that Israel was going to cross that river. And they were the first city that they would come to. Forty years of living in fear. Listen. You want to know what kind of culture we're living in right now? We are living in a fear-obsessed culture. And if you haven't figured this out yet, you need to. Fear has been marketed and monetized. First of all, it sells. Secondly, I can make money off of it. And we are in a culture that is being driven by that. Be aware of that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I am saying this. For instance, right now, the numbers, the, the numbers in Woodbury County are going down. You won't see that on the news. You know what you will see on the news? There's a new strain. I'm not minimizing any of this, but I'm saying, numbers going down, why would I watch TV? That's, that's, that's not, that, 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 that's not going to market anything. It's not going to push anything. That's not going to get you to hang on after the commercial to watch the next thing. It's a culture. It's the culture. I was at a... I was at a Oh, what was it? Oh, it was at a, one of these mart places this week. Um, uh, quick stops on the, on the, off the highway. Right by the checkout, there's a, there's a pandemic kit with gloves and masks and hand sanitizer and everything else. And you could buy it for I'm just saying. And you need to understand, 
It's interesting because one of the things God tells Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't live that way. Don't live that way. So one of the things that you see in this passage is this idea of you've got to figure out a plan. You've got to figure out as you go forward how, how this thing all rolls out. You've got to set, consecrate yourself, set, some, set, set aside. Set aside some time to figure out, okay, what do I need to keep doing in my life? What do I need to change in my life? What is it that I need to embrace and encourage? What is it I need to push aside and get rid of and replace? And set some time between now. And do this now. I mean, why, why are you going to wait till January 1? Just do it now. You know, you're like, oh, January 1, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Start, do it today. Instead of some magic day where you think everything's going to magically change. No, do it now. By the way, you have today. You don't know that you're going to have January. None of us do. So that's the idea. The last idea is this. Be strong and courageous. This is the one that gets me probably the most excited. First of all, because it, 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 it's emphasized so often. Be strong and courageous. You know. But I want you to, and I don't normally do this, but I want to do this today. There's a Hebrew word. There's a Hebrew concept that's introduced here. And the word for um, be strong is the word kazak. Kazak. What God comes to, and, and if you think about it, again, if you understand a little bit of Hebrew, the way Jew, Jewish people speak, God comes to Joshua and he says, kazak. Be strong. Kazak. Kazak. Venith Kazak. Be strong. Be strong and courageous. He comes to Joshua and he says, Kazak. Joshua, I mean, even the word. Kazak. You know, it's not one of those like yellow words, like yellow. He comes to Joshua and says, yellow. Comes to Joshua Kazak. Joshua. Joshua, Kazak. Be strong, be courageous. Joshua, be strong, be courageous. And what happens in this passage in Joshua chapter 1 is God comes to Joshua on three occasions and says, Kazak, Kazak. And Joshua comes to the people and goes, Kazak. And the people come back to Joshua when he talks about going into the promised land. And they go, Kazak, Joshua, Kazak! I think inherent in this idea is being strong and being courageous as you go forward is essential to being able to go forward. I've studied this thing all week long, and it didn't hit me until this morning. Zach, be strong. Be courageous. Has the word in it, courage. You see in this passage, Joshua giving courage to the people. You see God giving courage to Joshua. Joshua giving courage to the people. The people giving courage back to Joshua. You know where we gather this point? To in 
courage. To give each other courage and strength for the week ahead. To do that full circle thing that you see in Joshua chapter 1. Because the reality of it is, as we go forward, strength and courage are going to be essential to the journey. One of the things that I think is so important for us, and I think it's why in Hebrews, when the Bible talks about it, it says, as the days get more and more evil, as the days get more and more difficult, gather together and encourage one another. Give each other courage. Build each other up. I think it's one of the things that's so essential for why we get together on something. And I don't know about you, but I'm hesitant to be too open and honest here. Because it'll scare you. But in 30 some odd years of doing this, this has been one of the top three most difficult years I have ever had. Um, I look back on the toll. I, I, I'm convinced this thing taken years off of my life. Um, it has been incredibly hard. Incredible. The one thing that has been incredibly helpful to keep plugging away is the encouragement that I've gotten from other people. The encouragement of walking in here and going, what crazies are going to show up today? <laughs> you know, people think we are insane for doing what we're doing. But it's been encouraging because I'll be honest, I need it. Because of the isolation. You know, oh, Pastor, you're around people. If you haven't figured this out yet, you can be lonely in a crowd. And the encouragement that comes from other people has been one of the only reasons I got through this year. You go, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're talking about, no, no, I'm not talking about. I'm talking about there are days that I got up and said it would be more, I would enjoy being a Walmart griever more than I enjoy what I'm doing right now. Are they taking application? You go, really? I didn't think pastors thought that way. You have no idea. Because see, here's what you forget. And again, it's not it's just it's just the nature of the job administration. Satan understands. If he can get me, he can impact a lot of people. So every week, I walk, I get up every morning with a huge spiritual target on me. Every funny, I had a discussion with someone and they went, you know, and I said, look, I didn't, I said I didn't put you on a lay leader list because I wasn't sure. If you if you could do it or not, because you know, with with your your job and everything else, and they went, I'm so glad you didn't put me on the list. They said I was going to go talk to you because you need to know when I'm on the list, I don't sleep all week, my stomach's in knots, it, it's just miserable all week long. He said it is so overwhelming and just how much pressure there is and da da da. And I looked at him and I said, Welcome to my world. <laughs> 
I said, because the reality of it is, I need the encouragement as much as you need. And as things get tougher, and they have this year for all of us, we need it even more. And so I want to challenge you, as you head into the next year, I'm sorry, I said it like I said the word go. Kazak! <laughs> right? Be strong. Be courageous. I'm told that in the Jewish world, for a number of years, I don't know if they still do it or not, but at the end of Sabbath, they end with a reading of the Torah, which is one of the first five, the first five books of the Bible. They, they read that passage. And at the end of the reading of the Torah, the Jewish people turn Kazakh. Venus Kazakh. Be strong. Be strong. Be courageous. That's how they end their day. And I would challenge you with the same. So as we come to the end of this passage, as we come to the end of our Sunday for this year, as Israel comes to the end of 40 years of wandering in the desert, they face a new journey. Joshua challenges the people to be strong and courageous during the days ahead. They must obey and follow God in order to claim the victory that already belongs to them. May we each face the new year with strength and courage in the road that God has ahead for us. Kazakh. Kazakh. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, we can all look and act like everything's fine, but the reality of it is, Lord, it's been a difficult year. There have been personal struggles. There have been difficulties. There have been financial things, uh, family things. There have been so many issues, Lord, that have come up. And God, I ask that you would encourage hearts today. May we encourage one another. May we build one another up. May we pray for one another. May we challenge one another. May we work in such a way, Lord, that today would be a day to give each of us strength and encouragement in the week ahead. And Lord, as we go into a new year, a new journey, we don't know what it holds. But we do know, Lord, that you are with us. That, Lord, you there's nothing coming ahead that you, ha- you have no idea about that you've not already seen for it. So, Lord, may we walk with strength and courage in all that we do. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, Let's stand together, and uh, we're going to sing. First verse, come 